What happens when your sins are forgiven? I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, share something with you this morning that is, is pretty basic, but it is very freeing. And I have a feeling that, that some of you have never heard uh, what I'm about to tell you, the way I'm about to tell it, in, um, in church. I think you should. I think you should hear this in church. And I think that a lot of people uh, take grace or try to twist and stretch grace into something that it is not. But I fear on the other side of that, that a lot of believers do not understand the net of grace. I call it the net of grace. That's how I view it. That's how I see it. I see myself walking above and at any point, if I fall, I will never fall too far. I will always fall into a net of grace. And I praise the Lord for that all the time. Believers walk above a net of grace. I believe that. I am not Calvinist. Obviously, this is an Assembly of God church. I don't believe once saved, always saved. Although I believe that once saved, anybody that wants to be will stay saved and can be, should be, and will be if they want to be. But I do believe that people can walk away from anything if they so decide and desire and insist upon. Uh, I can walk away from any gift that you want me to have if I decide I don't want it. And so I think that there are things about this, though, that, that, that uh, necessitate deeper discussion. And so specifically, this, for some of you, this may sound very basic today. You may be like, wow, I mean, that, I didn't learn anything. But uh, I think that you will. And we're going to discuss three questions. I want to try to answer three questions from Scripture. And I believe that one passage of Scripture will answer all three, and that is this. Number one, what happens when your sins are forgiven? Number two, what must you do to have them forgiven? Number three... What must happen in order for them to remain forgiven? And I want you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. I'm reading from God's Word translation. This is a very freeing verse or passage of Scripture, verses. Starting in 14, it says, With one sacrifice, he, being Jesus, Accomplished the work of setting them, them as us. With one sacrifice, Jesus accomplished the work of setting us apart for God forever. The Holy Spirit tells us the same thing. I like the way that the Trinity, that, that God makes sure that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are all represented in this one passage of Scripture. The Holy Spirit tells us the same thing. This is the promise that I will make to them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my teachings in their hearts and write them in their minds. And then he adds, I will no longer hold their sins and their disobedience against them. When sins are forgiven, which is the title of this today. When sins are forgiven, there is no longer any need to sacrifice for sins. If we can get that in our spirit, it's going to be quite refreshing and exciting. 
When sins are forgiven, there is no longer any need to sacrifice for sins. An opening statement would be this. When Jesus died on the cross, are you listening? He once and for all satisfied the requirement for sin in total. That meant all of the sin that humans or that any of mankind had committed, well, the same thing, humans and all of mankind, but had committed before, during, and after that time. The sacrifice before the time of Christ was the little sacrificial animals, but they could not suffice. But at the time that was appointed, the right time, God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost sent the Son Jesus as representative who was the perfect sinless sacrifice to satisfy the requirement for all of sin, whatever sin, however great or small, was atoned for with his work on the cross. The shedding of his blood paid the cost for for all and every human before. There would never, hear this, there would never again be another sinless sacrifice to offer. Nor would there ever need to be. Only one was necessary and that one has been offered successfully. Jesus was the sinless lamb. He atoned for the sins of the entire world. And now everybody who wants to be a Christian can be a Christian. Everybody who wants to be forgiven can be forgiven. The price has been, has been paid. The requirements have been met. And they remain that way forever. All sin has been atoned for. Say that with me. All sin has been atoned for. That's it. It's done. That's why Jesus said what on the cross? It is finished. We did it. Not me. Him speaking of himself, the Father, and the Holy Ghost. We did it. It is finished. And anyone can be saved. That means the most heinous Crime or the most depraved sin can be forgiven. To those individuals that say to me, well, pastor, I have been such a terrible sinner. I don't believe that God could forgive me. That, you know what a person who says that is? I know they're saying that out of place of fear, but really they're saying it out of a place of pride. Because when you say that your sin is so powerful that the blood of Jesus can't cover it, who do you think you are? That you think your depravity or your sin could be more powerful than the shed blood of a sinless sacrifice. It's not possible. It's not possible. There is no sin that can be committed that could be more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Which means that the blood of Christ can forgive anybody for anything they've done. Hmm. You can't sin too greatly that his blood won't cover you. Now that's not a license to sin. 
Because if you look in this, in this passage, just a few verses on down from here, in verse 26, it says, if we go on sinning after we've learned the truth, no sacrifice can take away our sins. I used to think that meant no sacrifice would be powerful enough. That's not what that means. Of course, the sacrifice is powerful enough. What's he trying to say? If we go on sinning after we've learned the truth, no amount of sacrifice could take away your sins because you're not repentant. Get to that in a minute. Every sin can be forgiven, but if you want to go on sinning, if you wake up every day with a desire to keep on sinning, one must question your conversion experience. Because the scripture says that once you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, hear that? Some people just want the Savior part. I'll take that salvation, but I'll, can, I'm going to continue to be the Lord of my own life. That's not true repentance, and that's not true conversion. True conversion is a person that falls completely, 100% upon the mercy of God. Saying, I'm a sinner, I'm desperate, I'm in trouble without you, but I receive all of, of that you have done for me. I receive your work on the cross. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for my past. I want to live for you, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. That person has prayed a true prayer of repentance that came from a heart and a mind that was humble and broken before God. And that person is saved. They're saved. Saved from what? They're saved from Sin, saved from hell, saved from self, saved from anything that could go against them because what they've done, when we talk about salvation, what you've done is you put yourself in a place that God referred to as the palm of his hand. You've put yourself in his hand and he takes care of everybody that's in his hand. He doesn't lose anybody that gets in his hand. Now, as a human being, you're going to be tempted to fail. I don't want anybody to think that, that, you know, because if I leave that where it was and I say that once you become a believer, you're not ever going to want to sin again. And if you do want to sin again, it means you're not saved. I'm not, I can't leave that there because I know that believers sometimes want to sin. It doesn't mean they're not saved. The difference is this. We're all tempted, and sometimes we fail. But if you're a person that gets up every morning like you did before you were a new creature in Christ, if you get up every morning saying, wonder who I can rip off today. I wonder who I can cheat on my wife with today. If you get up with those kinds of thoughts and desires, then you never were a new creature to begin with. That's an old creature that thinks that way. A new creature is the one that wakes up in the morning and says, man, I'm, this is a new day, I've been set free. God help me today, I'm going to do my very best. And sometime through the day, they might fall, they might say something, do something, think something, act in a certain way that would cause them to repent, but they didn't start out the day premeditating how that they would sin against God. A believer is a new creature. And they wake up every day wanting to please their God. That's how you can tell the difference. That's why there's no, there's no way that we can twist this too much. The person that says, well, I'm a believer, but I still want to sin, and I'm falling in the net of grace. No, I'm saying to you, if you still want to sin, you never were a believer, and the, grace of, the net of grace isn't there. Don't fall. It's not there. 
The net of grace is for that person who prayed that prayer a minute sincerely and they're doing the best they can, but they still fall. And when they fall, something catches them and gently puts them back up on the wire. If you still want to sin, plan to sin, intend to sin, then you're probably not converted to begin with. You're the same. But because listen to this statement true repentance will change your motivation. Failure will still occur, but it's not premeditated, and it'll cause conviction at that point. But here's, here's how that works once you repent of your sins, you truly repent of your sins. You cannot sin again from that point on without feeling conviction because that is God's promise to you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Remember, I will my, sent my spirit to dwell in you. And because he's trying to, to make that dwelling place a holy place that he can live and, and be comfortable in, he from that point on is committed to convicting you and making you uncomfortable every time you sin from that point forward. God's promise to you, and the reason that this works so beautifully, is that when you fail, God in you will tell you you did. And you will have to deal with that conviction. If there's no conviction for sin, there must not have ever been a conversion. The Holy Spirit is trying to make his dwelling place Holy. So I want to proceed with this now by, by, by attempting to answer these questions. Question number one, what happens when your sins are forgiven? You ready for this answer? They are forgiven forever. You hear that? When your sins are forgiven, they're forgiven forever. And, and nothing more is needed, nothing more is necessary. Nothing can be done to make your sins more forgiven than they are right now. You cannot, do any, you cannot do enough good works to ever make your forgiven sin any more forgiven than they are right now. They just are. They're just forgiven. They're just gone. In fact, the Father says, hey, I don't even remember them anymore. Now, that's if they are forgiven. So hang on a minute. You still with me? You need to hear this statement. Christ's death and atonement does not forgive your sins. Huh? It just pays the cost so they can be forgiven. The only thing that forgives your sins is your total repentance of them. I want you to see that. That's how this sacrifice works, Jerry. That's why it works. No sin is too great that it can't be forgiven. It's going to be forgiven. No sin is too great. It's going to be forgiven, but I have to repent or else it is not forgiven. But 1 John 1, 9 says this, God is faithful and reliable. If we confess our sins, he forgives them and cleanses us from everything we've done wrong. I, I read to you a different translation there because I like the way it words it. God is faithful and reliable. If we confess our sins, he forgives them and cleanses us from everything we've done wrong. Price has been paid. Scripture says your sins will be forgiven forever if you repent of them and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you accept him as your God. 
So if you come to God, you got to get this before we go any farther. If you come to God and you are truly repentant of your sin and you repent of those sins, they are forgiven, it is done. Somebody say amen, it's done. Question number two. What must you do to have them forgiven? Answer, repent. We call it conviction. Anybody here ever been under conviction? I know that's a Christianese term. Conviction is that, is that that happens to you at that point where you realize that you're a sinner and you come to Christ and then, you, and, and then some people think, well, conviction was to get me saved, but I keep feeling conviction. Does that mean I need to get saved again? No. Conviction will continue. Conviction just starts to bring you to Christ, but conviction continues through your life until you go to heaven. You just didn't deal with a lot of conviction maybe before you were a believer. So some people confuse that. They're like, well, man, I've been a Christian and I'm still convicted. Does that mean I'm a sinner? No, it means you committed a sin. Doesn't mean you got to go and get saved again. You already saved. You just need to clean house. So... When we find ourselves under conviction, which we do, I find myself under conviction probably every day. When I was younger, I'd struggle with that. But I find myself under conviction almost every day. When I find myself under conviction, I have to say to the Holy Ghost, who's living me and just by the way is cleaning house. I feel conviction when he cleans house. He cleans the house and when he's cleaning, he stirs stuff up and I feel it. And when he does that, And I have to, one by one, start saying, oh, we had that in the closet? Yeah, let's throw that in the trash. Yeah, that needs to go. We can't hoard that. We can't keep keep stacking that up over there. Yeah, open up, open up. Yeah, go ahead and open up that closet. Ooh, I see you blowing out the dust there. Mm. That was that prayer closet. I hadn't been in there enough. You're having to blow out cobwebs. Somebody say amen. You're having to blow out some dust out of there. I hadn't been in there enough. Rooms I spend time in, they don't get all cobwebbed up, do they? We feel the Holy Ghost in there doing a work in our life. We feel conviction. Every time you feel conviction, repent of whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind. doesn't mean you got to get saved again. It means you're repenting, and the reason that you're under conviction is because the Holy Ghost is living in you. If he wasn't living in you, you wouldn't feel conviction. If you were an unbeliever, he wouldn't be living in you. I'm trying to set somebody free. I want you to hear the word this morning. You're never going to stop being convicted of things he wants to change about you. So every time, for every one of them, just repent. That that particular thing will be forgiven, forgotten. It will be completely eradicated for eternity. Now, new sins will require new repentance, but never a new sacrifice. Jesus is done. That's why I said when he had finished his work, he sat down at the right hand of the Father where he now makes intercession for you. But the Holy Ghost lives in you. He's at work all the time. You don't need another sacrifice. Your repentance, I want you to hear this statement. I've never said this before. I never even thought about it before the Lord laid this on my heart. But according to 1 John 1, 9, As a believer, this statement is true. Your repentance means an automatic response on his part. Let me explain what I mean by that. 
That means there's no need for begging and pleading. It's not necessary. The only thing that's necessary is a, is, is a heartfelt, honest, true repentance. And he's already said in the verse that I read to you. What did he say in his verse? He is faithful and just and will forgive us. Doesn't say we need another sacrifice. Doesn't say we need to do penance. Doesn't say we need to say a certain amount of any things or do any certain amount of anything. What does it say we needed to do? Every time we feel conviction, the heartfelt repentance again. And what does it say he will do? Every time. Well, he is faithful and just. He is faithful and reliable. He does not change. And he says in the verse that since he is those ways, he will forgive and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. When? Every single time. So number three, what must happen in order for them to remain forgiven? Answer, stop committing them. But I know sometimes we fail, but we all as believers, we all want to stop committing our sins. Don't we? Yes. But the answer goes on. From that moment on, repent every time you sin again. And that process will be effective. It, it's a system that's been set in place for as long as we're here. God knows that more sacrifices are not needed. But that repentance on our part is going to be ongoing. That's why this passage is so important to us as believers. I hope you're getting this. If we didn't have this and other places like this in scripture, we might spend our whole lives under guilt and shame. Which is what some believers do, by the way. Some believers don't understand this and they go week to week. They, they, they come to church every week and they repent all over. They get saved every revival. They get saved every, every time the Holy Ghost moves in the service. They get saved over and over and over. They think that's what they're doing, but they're not. They're repenting. Here's why this, is, I think, is so important and for us to understand it. People that do not understand this they live their lives continually in guilt and shame and confusion, which means that they are never effective like they should be for the Lord because they're constantly trying to get to an altar and get themselves right so they won't miss heaven. And the devil loves that, and God's like, please get up and do something. In your going, repent, but quit shutting it down. Quit listening to the devil. He keeps telling you that, you, that, that you're not going to make it. You better get right again. And you better quit listening to him and just repent when you feel the need to repent. Repent of that and it's taken care of. And don't let that shut you down from being effective. Keep on moving with your ministry and with your life. This process allows us to live in freedom rather than constant condemnation. I'm going to walk you through the verse real quick, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Go back to it. Look at this, verse 14. With one sacrifice, Jesus accomplished the work of setting us apart for God forever. Holy Spirit tells us the same thing. This is the promise I will make to them after those days. After what days? Let me explain that. The days of Christ's fulfillment of, of, of all necessary things for our salvation. He's saying that once Christ had accomplished everything that needed to be done for us to be able to be saved, th that's the days he's referring to, all right? So this is the promise that I make to them after 
Jesus has done everything he has to do, says the Lord. I will put my teachings in their hearts and write them in their minds. This is what he's going to do for you as a believer now. He says, here's how I'm going to keep you on track. When you think you have to keep going and getting saved, you don't have to keep going and getting saved. You just have to repent for this reason. He said, the reason you're feeling the conviction that you continue to feel after the day of salvation is because I am putting my teachings in your heart and I'm writing them on your mind. You don't, that's why you're not having to, you know, you're still in the word and you should be in the word. But that's why when you're not looking at a Bible and you still feel conviction that you feel what you feel because the Holy Spirit is writing in your mind and in your heart the things that you needed to hear from God to keep you on track. This is what the Holy Spirit is, is doing in you right now. You're saved, you're forgiven, and then that's, this is what he calls being equipped. He's equipping you to stay on track with your decision. Look at verse 17. And then he adds, I will no longer hold their sins and their disobedience against them. He's not going to remember or punish us for what we did in the past. Now, now life will cause you some trouble, won't it? Life will cause you trouble. The uh, People won't forget about your sins. They don't forget, do they? The devil always brings it up, doesn't he? But the scripture said that God forgives and moves on. And he's the only one that counts. And he says we're forgiven. So it doesn't matter what life does or what people say or what the devil brings up. The only one that matters is God. And he says we're forgiven. And he doesn't even remember what we did. The work, the work of Christ is done. It, salvation is secured, folks. We need to understand that. From that point on, I love what Pastor Kyle said. From that point on, God takes care of everything. I want you to hear something. If you have, if, 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 if you can truly point to a day that you ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you for your sins... If you can remember that, that was a day where you felt that conviction. You knew you were a sinner. You felt the Holy Ghost laying all that bare in your soul. And you knelt or stood or whatever. But you prayed a prayer and said, God, I am truly sorry and I want to be your child. If you can remember ever having done that, then I want you to hear this statement. If you have repented, truly repented of your sins, you are forgiven. Everything is paid. And you're on your way to heaven regardless of what the devil tries to tell you. And the only thing that you have to do between now and the moment that you close your eyes in death is just remember to repent Every time you're convicted, every time you're convicted, just repent right then. Well, Pastor, I don't have time to get on my knees for 30 minutes every time. I, I'm not saying, I'm talking about, man, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost brings stuff to me, and I'm like, oh, you're right, Lord. Wow, I'd forgotten. I am sorry for that. God, you know my heart. I'm sorry for that. And I'm on. I'm, I'm moving on. That's all there was. That's all it was. This is what I'm talking about. A condition of the heart where that you keep your heart right before God. 
Just believe on Christ, repent, listen to the Holy Ghost, walk with Jesus, and he's going to bring you home. And that's, I, I, love this, I love this passage of scripture. When your sins are forgiven, the promise to you is abundant life, both here and in heaven. And, and, and we need to stop letting the devil lie to us about that. He, he condemns us and he hinders us from being joyful and effective in our walk. This word, this passage says that when our sins are forgiven, they stay that way. And as long as you keep walking with the Lord, you don't have anything to fear. As long as you keep making a choice that you're going to walk with Jesus and you're going to repent every time he brings it, you don't have anything to fear. Stop living under that kind of condemnation of, wow, I'm not good enough, I didn't pray hard enough, I didn't repent enough, I I need to get saved again. Stop living under that condemnation and trust the word of God. When I was younger, when I was a little kid, I was always, I I grew up always being afraid, and I'm not blaming anybody, I'm not blaming my parents or anybody for this, it was just in, this is me trying to work out my own salvation with much fear and trembling. But, As a little kid, I was always afraid that my next thought or action might keep me from going up in the rapture. Anybody else live with that? I'd get on a roller coaster and going up. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sins. Forgive me. I'd be repenting all the way up to the top of the roller coaster. I knew once we got top, we started down, I would have to catch my breath and I wasn't going to be thinking about nothing else from that point on except just how much fun I was having. But just in case we died, I wanted to make sure I would go to heaven. I'm telling you, I was constantly repenting. I thought I got saved probably a hundred times. I don't know how many times I think I got saved. But I remember when I got saved, I was seven. I'll never forget it. I'll remember that the rest of my life because that was my birthday. You're going to remember your birthday. When I talk to people that say, I've been a Christian all my life. I don't even know when I asked Jesus into my heart. Wait a minute. You're going to have a good idea when you became a new creature. The, The day you became a new creature, I don't want to hear about the first time as if you have done that several times. You've repented several times since then, but you've only been saved once. And on that day, your name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And nothing or no one can ever erase it from there. And God says he's the only one that could and he won't. The only way that you can get it out is if you just decide. You just flat decide. I don't want this. I don't want to hear the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to repent. I've decided I'm living in my sin. I don't want to hear nothing about it. I'm going to get as far away from this as I can get. I'm going to keep going so far until I don't hear the Holy Ghost yelling at me anymore. And some people have done that. But it's less likely than what you think. For all of you kids that think it's, it was one thought, it takes a lot more than that. As long as you keep, as long as you keep thinking to yourself, wow, that was wrong, and repenting, you're on the team. It's all about, it's all about that heart. Some people struggle with this message because some of you grew up your whole life hearing, 
if you died driving 67 in a 65 you'll go straight to hell because you're breaking the law you know how many times I break the law on the road most of the time listening to Christian music sometimes worshiping the Lord you think if I'm worshiping God and I happen to get a couple of miles over the speed limit not paying attention and I die I'm gonna go to hell for that that's legalism folks I don't want to live under legalism but the scripture said stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be ye not entangled again with the yoke of bondage and that's what I'm claiming for my life and that's what I want you to claim for yours be free I'm not giving you a license to sin if you want to sin you're not saved anyway I'm talking to people that want to do right the next time you mess up repent and move on you're gonna make it to heaven you're okay you're gonna be all right because Jesus paid the price there is no more sacrifice for sin why would there be Jesus paid it all his blood forgave it all and when the father looks at you now the one who is called upon the name of Jesus that's why there's only one name where you can be saved but when you call upon the name of Jesus he sees the blood of Jesus covering your life he doesn't see the blood I'm not trying to be un unkind of Confucius there was only one sinless sacrifice it was Jesus and the father sees the blood of Jesus that was shed covering your life and he says I love them because they're covered by my son's blood and I love my son and they're his bride they're my family and I love them and they're mine if you prayed to have that blood applied to your life you belong to Jesus stop listening to the lie of an enemy who would try to keep you hindered so you would not be effective in your purpose for being on this planet. Put it behind you, repent when you need to, and keep on doing what Jesus said as he was going up. In your going, make disciples. Not in your going, keep getting saved. In your going, make disciples. Which means if you mess up making disciples, repent, but keep going. Keep going. Keep knowing. Pastor, what do we do about those individuals, though, that have really gotten away from the Lord? I mean, they, 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 they just, do you believe in backsliding? Oh, yeah, I believe in backsliding. I believe a lot of people backslide. But what do we do about them? Same thing as we do about you. You're going, to you're going to repent for a sin that you just did five minutes ago because you were convicted of it. It may have taken them 20 years to, 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 to decide to, to do anything about the conviction. But the fact that they're still feeling the conviction says the Holy Ghost is still there. Just repent. Come on home. Come on home. Lord, I thank you for your word. The reason it is called the gospel is because it is good news. Oh, God, your word always gives us hope. It always leaves us with 
the fruit of the Spirit. We're not, if, if we're living our lives in turmoil and fear and doubt and confusion, then Lord, we're missing it. Those are not, the, the, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, temperance, meekness, gentleness. Lord, this is, these are the things that, that, these are the things that are in my life. These are the things that I respond to now. Lord, set us free. Set us free. Give us understanding. Help us to see and hear the word correctly and set us free from old traditions and old ways of thinking and, and wives' tales. God, help us to be free from anything other than your word. Set us free. Let us walk in the newness of that life and fill us with your Holy Ghost to give us the power to be an overcomer. I pray it in Jesus' name. During this last song, if that's your word, you feel like you want to respond for any reason, for every reason, then you come to this altar. You come find yourself a place and kneel down. All of you that need prayer, if you need healing or you need prayer for, some, for something you would like to have prayer, uh, if that's you, then you come and stand in the front. That way we'll know that you need prayer. We'll be coming down and praying for you. But during this song, let's let this word get on. Are you happy about this word today? It, this is a freeing, this will set you free. This will get you out from under that bondage. Start living. Start enjoying. Come and find yourself a place and let's pray. God bless you.